Welcome to the Bridge Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this message from our senior pastor, Neil Haney. To access other resources or to find out more information about our church, visit thebridgespringfield.com or find us on social media at The Bridge Springfield. So I just want to like, I want to honor him really quickly before I pray for him that like the man that you see on stage is the is the same man everywhere that he is. And that says a lot, I think, in today's world and in today's climate. I don't know if that's good or bad. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) But integrity means a lot, and Neil has it in spades. So I'm just going to pray for him and bless him and then release him this morning. So, Lord, thank you for Neil. Thank you for his father's heart for this church. Thank you for his humility and his willingness to listen to you, Father. And so we pray that this morning he just has fresh oil, fresh anointing, fresh revelation from you to give to this body, to give to this church, to minister to their hearts. Lord, I pray that he magnifies you in all that he says and does. I pray that he's blessed as much as he blesses others. And may the words and the meditation of his heart be yours. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Yeah, so Derek stuck his head. I was, I was coming out of my office just about the time he was wrapping up with a client. And he walked him to the door. And I, I went out for a second, came back in. And he walks over. He said, can I close this door? There's a really bad odor coming from this office. There. And I was like, get out of my office. But anyway. All right, on to the seriousness of this morning. Um, you know, I cannot believe that we are already in uh, the holiday season. Um, I am so blessed by this season of the year. I've always, I mean, since I was a little kid, and I still feel that way in my heart, as, as, like a little kid when it comes to the holidays, from Thanksgiving to Christmas and everything in between, it's just such a joyful time for me. And... Um, and, and I love that we celebrate the coming of Christ. Uh, you know, we thank God on Thanksgiving somewhere between turkey and football. But, but, we, but, you know, this year our family really did spend some time just talking about the blessings that we've received from the Lord this past year. And there's too many to count. And then, you know, we, we started into what we call the Advent season. The, it's the four weeks, uh, you know, up till Christmas morning. And, uh, and we're, this morning... Uh, we're, we're celebrating the fact that when Jesus came into the world, he came into the world as hope. And, 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 you know, there was a hope of anticipation in the people of Israel for the coming of Messiah. And unfortunately, that most of them missed it because Jesus did come. But he came in an unexpected way. And, you know, this time of year, uh, we're, we're moving into that dark time of, you know, where the sun sets early and rises late and, and uh, it gets cold and, you know, and, you know, it, but, but then suddenly all over the place, Christmas lights appear. And, you know, we celebrate, you know, these Christmas trees. I know that that probably had some kind of pagan origin, but Christianity embraced it and said, you know, the evergreen represents eternal life. And the lights represent the light coming into the darkness. And so this morning, we're just celebrating uh, in this first Sunday of Advent the hope of the coming of Christ. The light coming into the darkness. The light 
of Jesus has come into our darkness, and he has brought light into our lives. And so I'm so thankful for that. And so um, uh, I just want to pray one more time as we move into the message, because the, the message this morning is, is a, a message of great hope for all of us. As we, as we just cultivate a friendship with a God that we have uh, who loves us and who has given his son for us. So let's just pray. Father, thank you for this morning. I thank you for this first Sunday in Advent, Lord, and for the celebration of hope that you bring to us, that, that, that the anticipation of your coming has happened, Jesus, and you have come, and you came as a baby, and you came in a manger, and you grew up, and you, you lived a, a perfect life of obedience to the Father, and you loved us, and then you took all of our sin, and you took it to the cross, and you died there in our place for our sin, our shame, our wrongdoings, and you destroyed sin on the cross. You destroyed the judgment of sin on the cross because you took that judgment for us, and you died our death, and then you were raised on the third day, and you are the light of the world that has come into our darkness, and we thank you for that. And Lord, I pray this morning that you'll bring the light of your revelation to this message that I have from you. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So Dennis and I are in the, in the midst of a, ser, a sermon series called The Means of Grace. And we've chosen <clears throat> that phrase that actually we borrowed from the man that my son Wes is named after. His name is John Wesley. He was a, um, a revivalist back in the 1700s in England. He and his brother Charles and a guy named George Whitfield brought revival. God used them to bring revival to England as it was really falling apart politically, morally, and every other way. It was on the verge of what happened in France during the French Revolution. And the revival that happened because of the Wesley brothers and God using them and George Whitfield, those three men, God just poured through, uh, brought great, great revival to the, the nation of, of, of England. And in, in that uh, that man's heart, he discovered God in a personal way that he had not known before. And so he talks about what we would call the, the spiritual disciplines, which is what, you know, throughout most of church history, we've known, you know, Bible reading and Bible study, prayer, those kinds of things as the spiritual disciplines. The word discipline has kind of fallen on hard times in our day, and it, it seems to have more to do with striving and performance than what we want to communicate in these messages about the vertical relationship we have with God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so John Wesley called uh, these disciplines the means of grace. And it's not that because we practice these things, we get more grace from God, but we get more revelation of his grace as we practice these things. And so this morning, I want to pick up where Dennis left off last week in his sermon called... uh, interactive prayer and uh this morning go ahead and put up the slide with the title um so the prayer i'm going to be talking about prayer as friendship with god it's kind of interactive prayer part two but but i I, you know i like the title prayer as friendship with god last week dennis talks talked about uh is the main thrust of his message that god loves us he's a good father who answers our prayers So when we go to him, Jesus says, just go to your father and ask him for things. And when you ask, you receive. When you seek, you find. When you knock, the door will be open to you. He's a rewarder of those who seek him. 
He is a God who loves to give good gifts to his children. And so uh, interactive prayer is, is how we, we come, and interactive means that there's a relationship, that there's a, there's a sharing back and forth, there's, there's dialogue. There's, you know, we don't just come to God with a, with, a, with a laundry list of needs, but we talk to him, and, we talk, and he talks back to us. And there's a dialogue that happens. And so this morning, I want to take what Dennis shared last week and just take it a step further and talk about the personal friendship aspect of prayer. Because I hope you understand that God is a person, that the Father is a person. In fact, the Holy Spirit says, if you have the Holy Spirit in your life and you're walking in the Spirit... You're being led by the Spirit. The Spirit in you, the Holy Spirit, cries out through you, Abba, Father. The word Abba there means Papa or Daddy. You know, my my kids uh, were choosing a name for my granddaughter, my first our first grandchild, uh, to call me, and uh, they really made a game out of this. And you know, as a way to get to Dad. You know, so they, they, they made up all kinds of names that they kept telling me, oh, you know, Daisy's going to call you this, that, and the other thing. One of the things that they said was nanny, which is what all the grandkids call my mom. And uh, they know that, that I wouldn't like that. Let's just put it that way. When I hear nanny, I think of goat, you know. And it doesn't mean greatest of all time, okay. It means goat, you know. With the, anyway, I know I look like one, but... Um, that's not okay with me. But when they told me when they when they told me that they had decided on the name Papa, that of all names that I could have chosen for my grandchildren to call me, that's the one I would have picked. There's just something very precious about the word Papa. It's soft. It's intimate. It's you know it, it's a, it's a word that kind of draws you in. And when my granddaughter Daisy, she's two and a half now. When she comes to me and she says, Papa, would you come in my room and uh, have coffee? My heart just melts on the floor, and I'm just like, you know, sure, just take me wherever you want to, you know. If, if she said, Papa, you're going to do 100 push-ups, I'd die trying, you know. Um, but but I just, it's just such an endearing name. And the Holy Spirit tells us we can call the creator of the universe Papa. Because he's created us to be his children. But you know, uh, so, so anyway, let me just say this. The Father, our Heavenly Papa, is a person who wants a relationship with us. He wants a friendship with us. You know, I have loved my children at every stage of their lives. I got particularly interested in them after they became two. Because we could interact you understand what I'm saying? You know, moms carry the baby, and, you know, they just love infants. and I think they look like boil monkeys, most of them. But anyway. And they can't talk, and they can't interact, and all they can do is, you know, they cry, they poop, they pee. You have to change their diapers. But when they start interacting, then they become interesting. And I've loved my kids since they were a year and a half on. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> No, I, I, listen, I've loved them from the moment I held them in my arms and prayed for them. The doctor pulls them out, hands them to me, and I just prayed for them. I prayed over them, gave them to the Lord. 
But I've loved every stage of, of life with them. But I particularly love my adult children and the relationship that we have with each other. Uh, because I just, I just love conversations with them. Now, Jesus, our high priest, is also a person. We know that. He showed up on earth in a man's suit. He's still, he's still a man. He's in a glorified body. But he's still there's a man in the Godhead now. I don't know if you realize that. He didn't discard his human body when he went back to heaven. He is a human being in a glorified body at the right hand of the Father, and he represents the whole human race as a high priest, as a man. And he's a person, and we can have a relationship with him, and I love interacting with Jesus. The Holy Spirit is a person. It's not a force. The Holy Spirit isn't an it. He's a person. um, I love that the fact that he has a mind, he has a, a will, he has emotions. You know, it's it's said that <clears throat> that you know we're told by Paul not to grieve the spirit, not to grieve the spirit. You understand that the spirit you can't grieve electricity, <laughs> you can't grieve a nuclear power plant. The spirit isn't just power; the spirit's a person. In the early church, when the Jewish believers were trying to figure out what to impose on the Gentile believers in terms of religion, it said they, it seemed right to the Holy Spirit and to us not to put a bunch of laws on them, but to only require that they, they just do certain things that were not good. So you can grieve the Holy Spirit. Now, when, when we grieve the Spirit, what's happening is, you know that when you're born again, the Holy Spirit of Christ comes into you and becomes one with your spirit. So your spirit and the Holy Spirit are one. That's how we're, that's how we're connected with God. That's how we're born again. And when we, when we sin, uh, when we act according to the flesh, and we, and we act counter to our new nature, we, we can't enjoy sin like we used to. We just can't. Uh, when we sin, it's not that God's mad at us. But we feel this grief because when my children do things, you know, growing up, when they did things that were wrong and, and it would hurt them or hurt other people, I would feel grief in my heart. Not because I was mad at them, but because I, I hurt for them. And, and I wanted what was best for them. And that's the same way with the Holy Spirit. And he, because he's one with your spirit, you feel his grief. So when we sin, we don't enjoy it anymore. We grieve. We feel horrible. We've, sometimes we feel like, ah, oh, we're separated from God. No, you're just, you've grieved the Spirit, but it's because he's sad because you're hurting yourself and you're hurting other people, and, and it, just, it just hurts his heart for you. Does that make sense? So the Holy Spirit's a person. We interact with a person. And, and so as we're, as we're entering into this this means of grace, of prayer. We're interacting with Father, the Son, and the Spirit. You know, in order to, to cultivate a friendship, and that's what I'm talking about this morning, is a friendship with God. God created us to be his friends, as well as his children. I created my children to be my children and my friends. They didn't know that. But, but we, are friend, we are close friends, and I, I love them as my children, but I also love them as uh, you know, adult friends. And uh, Wes and I were in the sanctuary uh, decorating the, the, you know, I was 
decorating the Christmas trees. He was working on these beautiful slides that you see and putting things into the uh, for for the worship and that sort of thing. And and we were just talking, and I just love that man. Just love being with him. We were joking, and I was la- I almost fell off the laugh- ladder laughing at one point. Uh, he's just goofy. He and Derek are so much alike. It's crazy, but anyway. Just really funny, and um, but I just love that kind of interaction with my kids, and the, the Lord does too. He loves that. He created us for that. You remember back Adam and Eve's day? I mean, they walked with God. They talked with God. They walked in the garden together. He spoke to them face to face, and because of sin, that that face to face thing it continued even after the garden. You know, he was talking to Cain. God was talking to Cain. He said, "You don't want to. You don't want to. I know what's in your heart. You're angry with your brother. Don't do what. Don't do what you're thinking about doing." And Cain did it anyway. But there was still, even after the garden, there was still face to face interaction with God. But they, because of sin, that was lost. And Jesus came to restore that. But in order to cultivate a friendship, we need to spend time with each other. Spending time with God is not a discipline. It's a privilege. It's a joy. It's a delight. When you begin to cultivate your relationship with God, man, it's, it's a joy. You need to spend time together. You know, Dennis, about a month ago, Dennis, we were about to have a meeting, and Dennis and I, our friendship started seven years ago at Tim Hortons. And uh, we, we met. I'd never met this guy before, and, and he was, you know, representing Russians, meet, uh, Russians reaching Russians, yes, and... Uh, and so, uh, you know, I met with him, and he was supposed to do a sales pitch for this ministry, and we never got around to that, but we did begin a friendship. And we would meet together often, maybe about once a month, you know, we'd meet together for a lunch, and we just met to be friends and just talk about life. And Dennis said to me, he said, you know, Neil, we've been working together now for a couple of years, and I feel like we only are together because of ministry responsibilities. And we've lost the cultivation of our friendship. Or, or we're losing it, he said. We, we hadn't lost it completely. But, but we're, we're kind of losing that aspect of our, of our relationship. And I want to be your friend first and foremost. And I said, Dennis, you're right. And we were about to go into a meeting together to talk about we're, we're developing a new membership class. I said, man, let's just... Let's just push that aside today and let's go down to the fireside hall and just sit by the fire and talk. And we did, and it was, we spent a couple of hours together just cultivating our friendship again because we need that. We want that. We don't want to lose that. And the Lord wants that with you. So we need to spend time together. We need to dialogue, share hearts with each other. God wants that with you. And you know, the, a sign of a really good friendship is no matter how long you've been apart, no matter how long it's been since you've talked to each other, a good friendship is when you can just pick right up where you left off and it doesn't feel like you've missed a beat. I have a friend in Nashville. His name is David Dunn. We met 42 years ago as we both became personnel managers at the same company. He was in Centerville, Tennessee. I was in Danville, Kentucky. And we met at a, at a, uh, uh, a personnel manager, plant manager meeting that they had in Nashville. Um, with his company and David and I were about the same age um, and and we were both Christians and there weren't a lot of Christians in that group I don't think anyway we kind of got thrown together and 
like it was with Dennis. It was like I'd met a brother from another mother, you know. And 42 years later, we still have a relationship. And Lindsay and I were just in, in David's home in Nashville, David and his wife Julia. In September, we spent several days there, and, and uh, I just love this brother. And we call each other on our birthdays, and, you know, we try to stay in touch. But sometimes a year or so will go by without connecting. But as soon as I hear his voice, we're just off to the races. It's just we pick right up where we left off. And that's, where, that's how it is with God. Never feel like because it's been a few days or a few weeks or even a few months since you talked to him that somehow now I've got to start over. That's not a friendship. A friendship is where you pick right up where you left off and you just keep going, all right? You know, God, God has always considered us not only children but also friends. And I want to show you, if you'll go ahead and put up the first slide, um, the first scripture there. You know that Abraham, who he called to be the father of the Jews, was Abraham's friend. Look at the scripture in James 2.23. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness, and he was called God's friend. He was called God's friend by God. Put up the next one here. Uh, this is from Isaiah uh, 41.8. But you, Israel, my servant, this is God speaking through the prophet. But you, Israel, my servant, Jacob, whom I have chosen, your descendants of Abraham, my friend. He had a friend in Abraham. I mean, think about that. God is calling Abraham his friend. Guys, you and I are children of Abraham, spiritual children of Abraham. Read Romans 4 if you don't believe me. It's right there. It says that we are spiritual children of Abraham. We can have that friendship. Moses was a friend of God. Put the next scripture up from Exodus 33, 11. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. And then Moses would return to the camp. But Joshua, son of, uh, of Nun, didn't leave the tent because he wanted a friendship with God too. He saw what Moses was experiencing. He experienced the presence of God, and he wanted to be there. And guys, we are in, that was under the old covenant. The Holy Spirit wasn't even residing in those people. He's living inside of you. You're more of a friend than Moses was, honestly. And so I I just want to encourage you that Jesus came to restore friendship with God. And it is finished. He removed all barriers between us and God. And we have free access to come right into his presence and and be with him. And to have dialogue with him and cultivate friendship with him. I want to share what Jesus said to his disciples at the end of his time with them. So here's Jesus, God the Son, the Son of God, come in human flesh he at at age 30 he calls these 12 knuckleheads to to hang out with him on a daily basis and here it is he's walked with them for three years they love him so much and he loves them too and this is what he says in john 15 15 easy scripture to remember john 15 15 i no longer call you servants because servants a servant doesn't know his, his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. He's saying that at this point in their relationship, they're moving from servants to friendship. 
the, the difference between a slave and a friend in that, in that day was significant. Later on, he'll call them brothers at the end of John. Just like six, seven chapters later, six chapters, whatever it is, he calls them uh, brothers. But right now, he's, he's saying that they've moved into a friendship with him. And that everything the Father is telling him, he's passing on and will continue to pass on to them because they're his friends. And that's the, the God side of the equation where he's going to speak to them through his spirit. You understand prayer is a dialogue. It's not just that we come to God and we say a bunch of words up to him and then we walk away. And by the way, one thing I forgot to mention that Dennis kept saying last week, and I love this phrase, is that when we pray... It's not like we're sending snail mail to China in the 19th century hoping that somehow, someday, maybe God might answer us. That when we pray, he is a, 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 an ever-present help in trouble. He is always listening, and, and he is the one that has initiated this friendship with us. And so Jesus says, I call you friends. I want to go back to, to uh, chapter 14. I'm going to be spending my entire... This, my text is coming from John uh, 14 and John 16. I want to, so, so this is Jesus' last night with his disciples. He spent three years with them. He loves these guys. Uh, Judas has already left the scene to go betray him. And so he's talking to the 11 disciples that are still with him. And he's telling them some pretty important things and some very intimate things. Don't miss the intimacy here. You know, uh, there is a transcendency of God where he is the God of the universe. And he rules over all things. But man, he's, he's moved inside of our hearts. He's as close as the air that we breathe. And so never be intimidated by the fact that he's out there. So, you know, he is right inside of you. Yes, he's out there. Of course he created the universe. But that same God lives in you. The one who hovers over the water now dwells in your heart, okay? So uh, I'm going to begin uh, in verse 13 of John 14. I just love this. He says, I will do whatever you ask in my name. I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. When your prayers are answered, I'm glorified, or the Father's glorified in me. Isn't that interesting? That's how close we are. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Now, there's a clarification in 1 John 5 that when we ask according to his will. You know, I mean, if we say, you know, God, you know, blow up China with a nuclear bomb, hey, He's probably not going to do that because that's not his will. But if we ask anything according to his will, and I think most of the things that we ask for are according to his will because we have the spirit of God in us. And then in verse 16, he says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and to be with you, the spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit. Jesus is going to the Father, and he's going to ask that he come back and live in us through his Holy Spirit dwelling in us. Verse 18, I will not leave you as orphans. I will not leave you. I will not leave you as orphans. At the end of Hebrews 13, it says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. 
At the end of, of Matthew, he says, I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. He's not going to leave us. I will, never, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you will live also. On that day, you will realize that I am in the Father, or I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. That is as close as you can get to someone. We can't even have that closeness with another person, and yet we have that with God himself. Chapter 16, verse 12, <laughs> Jesus realizing that these guys are getting overwhelmed. They, just, they don't have the Holy Spirit yet, so they're just kind of like drinking from a fire hose, and they can't swallow it all. I mean, Jesus is just saying, look, I'm saying all this, and you're not going to understand this, but someday you will because the Spirit's going to come and help you, help you ingest this, okay? Because that's what he's about to say here in verse 12 of chapter 16. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. You can't drink it all from this fire hose I'm, I'm, I've turned on your mouth right now. But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will lead you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me, Jesus says, because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. So Jesus is saying, I'm going to communicate to you, and the Holy Spirit is going to make it come alive in your hearts. He's going to help you hear it and ingest it. All that belongs to the Father is mine. He's talking about God now, his Father. That is why I said the Spirit will receive from me and will make known to you. Uh, I, man, that... Guys, we're talking about the God of the universe, the creator of all things. Talking to his son, Jesus, our high priest. And then Jesus is, is, through his Holy Spirit, telling us everything that the Father is saying to him. What in the world? This is the relationship we have with the living God. You're his friends. You're his, his, his children. At least you're meant to be his friends. But as I said, a friendship has to be cultivated. And we do that primarily, I believe, through prayer. As we talk to him and he talks to us. Very truly I tell you, this is verse 23, very truly I tell you, my Father will give you whatever you ask in my name until now you have not asked anything in my name. Ask and you will receive. Where have we heard that before? Last week in Dennis's message from, from Matthew uh, chapter 6, right out of Jesus' mouth. Again, he says it here, ask, ask and you will receive that your joy may be made complete. Um, I love that. I just absolutely love that. Guys, when we pray, we're coming to a friend. We're coming to friends. We're coming to the Father. We're coming to, the, we're coming to our Papa. We're coming to the Lord Jesus. We're coming to the Holy Spirit. Yes, we pray to the Holy Spirit. And, and um, we're talking to friends. We're talking to our papa. And he's leaning in to listen. Now, I've, all my life I've heard these prayers like this. O oh God, creator of all things visible and invisible, thou art holy and I am unworthy to enter thy presence. 
I beseech thee, heareth my prayer. You ever heard prayers like that? And I think the Lord is like, hey, Michael, um, what did he just say? I don't speaketh that way anymore. I, I don't, I, 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 it's, it just puts God out there beyond reach. You know, it's like we're talking to the cosmos or something. It's like, no. What's my point? How do you approach God in prayer? How do you approach God? In, do you pray at all? Some people are just so intimidated by his holiness and his transcendence and his bigness and his whatever that they're afraid to approach God in prayer. How do you approach God? What is, what is the God you approach like? Is he approachable at all? Or is he out there bigger than life? Or is he a friend that sticks closer, to, closer than a brother? Because that's what he promises to be. He wants conversations with us. As father to son, friend to friend. When I was in high school, um, I had been a Christian since I was probably age four or five. I, I, I just, my mom told me about Jesus dying for my sins and I believed it and never questioned it. And somehow I believe that I was saved at that point. I don't understand how. No one led me in the sinner's prayer. <laughs> uh, in fact, I don't like the sinner's prayer as it's often presented. Jesus died for all of our sins 2,000 years ago, paid for it all. We're just inviting, you know, prodigals to come home. <laughs> it's what we're doing. The Father's love is already there. Jesus is already taking care of the sin problem. It's gone out of the way. Now, until you ask Jesus into your heart, you're still not saved. I'm not saying that you are, but your sin has been paid for. So all this, this thing about, oh, God, I'm such a sinner. and Well, yeah, we're sinners, but he's paid for that. And we're inviting people into a relationship with God through Christ and what he's done for us. And so somehow that happened for me. But when I was in high school, I... Um, I I got talked by a cheerleader into coming to my mom's Sunday school class. I did not want to go to listen to my mom teach Sunday school. But I had a crush on this cheerleader. Her name was Susan. And when she asked me to come to my mom's Sunday school class, it was like Daisy inviting me into her room to serve coffee. My heart melted, and I was like, okay, where's the class, you know? So I go to this class, and it was like, okay, so who are you and what have you done with my mother? Because she had gotten thoroughly filled with the Holy Spirit. This is around 1972, 73, right in there, when the, there was a, a, a revival happening among the, especially among young people. There's a movie about it now called uh, the, the Jesus Revolution. It was around that time. And all of a sudden, my heart was just set on fire for Christ. I mean, I was experiencing this incredible revival in my own heart. And um, we, we had youth group on Sunday nights, and, and I would go. And, and the way it was set up, we'd go in the fellowship hall, uh, and they would serve us, you know, peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and Coke or whatever, you know, they would feed us something, you know, whether it was edible or not. And, and then we would leave there. I mean, we would hang out. There was a ping pong table and a pool table in the back, and we'd hang out in there for a little bit. And then we'd eventually end up in the parlor. This is a Presbyterian church. And it was very formal, you know, carpet and couches and everything. And that's where we'd have youth group, you know, we'd do Bible study. But I didn't care. I loved it. But somewhere between 
eating and going to the parlor, I would often slip out and, and go. And this is Sunday night, so we, we'd been to church. I would slip into the sanctuary of the church. And there's something about after church in the sanctuary. It's, it's the same way in here. Something, there's, there's a combination of women's perfume and the, holy, and the presence of the Holy Spirit. It just hangs in the place. And I would go in that sanctuary, and it was like I have chills right now thinking about it. I would walk in those doors, and I'm by myself, and God's presence is there. And I would say, hi, God, it's, it's me, Neil. And I was in the presence of God, and I loved it. And sometimes he would speak to me. And then, you know, I'd stay for a few minutes, and then I'd head to the parlor. I'd head back to the... But I remember those early days of just wanting to be in his presence. And then, you know, by the time I got in college, I, I, I just, you know, I'd be studying. It'd be late. And I'd just walk out. Uh, I was living in this elderly woman's home. I was renting a room in the back of her house. And I had access from my bedroom outside to the backyard. And I would just go out, and I would look up into the sky at the night stars, and, and, and I would talk to God. I would talk to him about men. I was, by that time, I felt called to ministry, and, and I would just talk to him about things, and, and I would pray about my study, you know, schoolwork, and I hated school. But after I graduated, I'd been here a few years, and this song by Rich Mullen came out, uh, it's known by several names, uh, Step by Step, Oh God, You Are My God, Sometimes by Step. You know the song I'm talking about. Oh God, You Are My God. Well, anyway, love that song, but, but listen to these words because when I, every time I would sing these words for the first dozen times that we would sing this song or I would hear it played on the radio, I would get choked up because I was thinking about, because I would literally look at those stars and think about Abraham looking up at the stars and God saying, Abraham, your children will be like this. It says, sometimes I think of Abraham. I have a hard time with this, getting through it. How one star he saw was lit for me and you. He was a stranger in this land, and I am that no less than he. And at the end of the song, it says, I will seek you in the morning. I will learn to walk in your ways. And step by step, you'll lead me, and I will follow you all of my days. That's friendship, guys. That's friendship. You know, prayer is a privilege of fostering a daily walk and dialogue with a person. Our Heavenly Papa, the Lord Jesus, the Holy Spirit, the indwelling Spirit of Christ. Just being with him. Just pouring out your heart to him. Listening to his voice speak to you. I just, I just love the times that I come in this sanctuary. Sometimes I slip in here after church. Uh, we drive to Wendy's and Deb's car and come back, and I'll just take a few minutes. I'll come in here, and it's the same thing, women's perfume in the presence of the Spirit. And I just walk around for a few minutes, and I'm just, I just say, Lord, thank you for this morning. What a wonderful time of, of worship, and thank you for Dennis's sermon or Thank you that somehow I got through mine without passing out or whatever. But I just, I just thank him for, for that relationship and, and, and for, for what he's doing in this body. And, you know, I'm a friend of God. I've cultivated a friendship with him. I've spent hours upon hours walking 
you know, around these chairs in this sanctuary, just talking to him and listening to him speak to me. Praying out loud and just listening to him speak to me. You know, I, I, just, I just encourage you guys to make space for him, to speak to him in prayer. Pour out your heart to him. Tell him what you're going through. He cares about that stuff. He cares deeply. Ask and you'll receive. Seek and you'll find. Knocking the door will be. He's a reward of those who diligently seek him. Hebrews 11, 6b. He's a reward of those who diligently seek him. And guys, you know, if you're not used to this, start small. Start simple. Start with just, just taking a few minutes the beginning of the day, middle of the day, end of the day, to just have a, a couple of minutes where you just say, God, I love you. Uh, I'm, I'm really struggling with this. You know, would you, would you help me? Would you be with me? And is there anything you want to say to me? And, and when you first start out, you'll hear things like, I love you, my child. I love, you know, when I first started hearing the voice of God, I, I would just hear things like, Neil, I love you. You're mine, and I'm yours. And I, I would just, I love that. And so, and so start small and simple. Let the, words, let, let the Lord speak to you in prayer. And for heaven's sake, as Dennis talked about last week, write it down. Uh, Dennis and I are going to be uh, taking everyone who wants to go through this and who can through a training on how to hear God's voice and how to journal what he says and how to let him speak to you through various means. But I, we want... We, what we're wanting to do is to help you cultivate the means of grace, of prayer, and cultivating a friendship with a God who loves you more than you could ever imagine. Thanks for listening to this message. We hope you received a fresh revelation of the gospel of grace and that you experience the goodness of God in your everyday life. For more content like this or to stream our services live, visit thebridgespringfield.com. Have an awesome week.